This is the one with a second-rate adversary. A megabyte modem. A poster advertising cholera. A terminal knuckle sandwich. A tharsis of spurious morality. And the sixth doctor's farewell. It's called Trial of a Time Lord, part four. And it's known as the ultimate foe. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalent, Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Some Torrens look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What ho, podcast land, and welcome to yet another absolutely incredible, legendary episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. We are here this evening to discuss Doctor Who. Exactly. That other franchise in which the fourth installment of a series revolving around the Matrix may be a little underwhelming. But who are we? (laughs) Well, I am Leon and I have the esteemed privilege of gazing across the ether at my lovely co-host, Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. Yes, it is me, Jim, here. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Jackie. Wowee, Jim Cakes. We are talking about the final installment of Trial of a Time Lord, The Ultimate Foe. How do you feel about it? I feel I may not have been so unaware of my feelings about a serial since a long time, aka... Right. I have no idea what to make of this at the moment. (laughs) Well, good news, buddy, because we are going to explore the richness of your inner emotional life as regards this episode tonight. And I completely get where you're coming from. (laughs) I just watched it, and it's such a weird experience. It's great, epic, classic, important, seminal, and utter dog shit and confusing. (laughs) So, yeah, wow, there's a lot to unpack. Why don't we, before we do said unpacking, jump into some sort of precy, a bite-sized precy, one might say, of who, Jim? That sounds marvellous. Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. The trial of, and our time with, the Sixth Doctor are coming to an end. Doc sticks to his guns, and yet again insists that the Matrix has been tampered with, calling into question the validity of the so-called evidence against him. Extra Time Lord Character of the Week, the Keeper of the Matrix, of course insists this is impossible. Great argument, guy. Nevertheless, there's a bit of a stalemate. Good thing the Master pops up on screen then to handily prove that the Matrix security is about as good as a keep-out sign, because he's been hanging around in there all this time. Another thing the Master's been working on is sending Sabalon Glitz and Mel Bush to the trial as witnesses for the Doc's defence. Yes, you heard that correctly. The Master wants Doc to win this one. Well, to clarify, as things transpire, he'd quite like Doc and the Valiard to strangle each other in a deathly mud-wrestling match. Hot. 
And so, as we all knew it would, a season of Judge Judy, however entertaining, must inevitably transform into a tangled mess of Scooby-Doo tropes as Doc and the Valyard play whose imagination is this anyway across time, space, and reality. B-Scout over. You are welcome. Oh, aren't you just. Wow. Right. Yeah. I would like to call this Exhibit A in the trial of Trial of a Time Lord. <laughs> Is one of us going to be reviewing this on the part of the prosecution and the other <laughs> in defense of this serial or series? I'm not entirely sure. Why don't I start us off with something of an introductory question? We learn in this one that the Valyard and I think you knew this already, Jim, I think this had been spoiled mm. for you online, that the Valyard is in fact the a future incarnation of the Doctors. Well, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. I'm not quite oh. sure exactly what it is. It sounds like it's a being brought into being. Because yeah. doesn't the Master describe the Valyard as like between the, the 12th and the 3rd or and 13th or something? Somewhere the between the 12th yeah. and the final incarnation of the Doctors, which suggests to me he is a future incarnation of him. But we also find out that he's been created. This is kind of where my question was leading to. We also find out that the Time Lords, the, the High Council, has sort of cloned him from all the bad, evil genetic material within the Doctor. <laughs> he's just an amalgamation of all the Doc's bad traits. So he's not necessarily a regeneration of him. He he was grown in a lab. Yeah. Oh. I, mean, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Could it be, is the insinuation, do you think, that a future incarnation of the Doctors, who, for all intents and purposes, is good, is great, is, you know, completely normal, for all we know, Chudi Gatwa, you know, the next Doctor, actually, might even be Tennant as the next Doctor, who knows, is captured by the High Council and forced into an evil regeneration, similar to how Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor forced himself to regenerate in a particular ethical uh, direction. Interesting. Like basically, is he real or is he grown in a lab? I don't know if we have enough information to really answer that, do we? Because, correct me if I'm wrong as well, Like, I feel like mm. the best explanation we get about the Valyard is from the Master, who's not someone we can really trust anyway. <laughs> so, even That's if true. he gave us a very clear description, I don't think we could say 100% that was the truth. But he doesn't. He still says, like, it's an amalgamation of your darker sides somewhere between your 12th and final incarnation like that doesn't sound like a regeneration unless it is like you say this forced thing a la McGann. yeah but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a normal regeneration anyway it it absolutely does not i agree with you it absolutely does not but it's so weird because he is the doctor if he what the shit man this is super confusing i think this is in <laughs> fact illogical Here's another argument against him being a real regeneration. He wants to kill Doc, get rid of him entirely, purge him from his life, though I'm not entirely sure why. I think this is something to philosophize on as well. But he wants to do so in order to continue his existence unencumbered. But if Doc is in his past and Doc is to regenerate into something that regenerates into, or someone who regenerates into yeah. someone and so on and so forth in order to eventually turn into the Valyard, if he kills Colin Baker, he'll never exist. I'm never quite sure which school of thought Doctor Who sticks with, with time travel logic like that. I'm not sure if they're sure either. Most of the time they're right in the serials. Because you're right that that 
if he is a direct regeneration, doesn't make any sense. That's like kill, exactly. killing your grandfather thing. Yeah. Your grandfather paradox, as it's so named. But the other explanation we do get given, like in that same vein, the Valiad saying, if I get rid of the Doctor, then I'm free to be, you know, unencumbered by the Doctor's nature. Because there is something in him that isn't the Doctor. That's that's the implication. But even so, oh, he yes, is right. He is part Doctor. So by the same logic, whatever oh. that part is wouldn't exist, yeah. and so he wouldn't have existed as a full Valyard. He would have existed as some other thing. Yeah, like it's just it's all paradoxical. Paradoxical. Does that mean? Does that mean that he, that he's sort of thinking? All right, we're not gonna purge Colin Baker, or oh, sorry, we're not going to purge the Doctor from existence, we're going to purge Colin Baker's positive traits from my genome, from the like timeline of the Doctor, in a sense. I don't know, because of all the Doctors as well, he's he's not the, the lovely... The, yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hug everyone version of the Doctor, he's the more... Like on the edge that actually the Valyard probably works with quite well. <laughs> yeah, why didn't we get to see the Valyard meet and shake hands with Peter Davison and then just like immediately vomit on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> Those two couldn't be more incompatible as characters. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm odd. a little I'm confused. To, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to figure out how how this even works. So if the let's say the High Council was the institution to create the Valyard. Just create him, fashion him out of either ones and zeros or genetic material. Like, how does that work? Why do they even... Why even do that? Actually, yeah, wait, that's a better question. Why even do this? Is it solely because Colin Baker found out about Ravalox, quote-unquote, as in the Earth having been moved by the Time Lords. Is it even clear that the Time Lords are behind this? Like, it, the Master isn't. Was it not? I don't think. Sorry. Okay, can you explain the whole thing with the Matrix, yada yada, technology, having been smuggled to Ravalox, blah 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 blah? Because if you can't, let me clarify, I can't either, we need to look it up. <laughs> Sleeper comes up for the mysterious planet. Yeah. Astronauts that were in suspended animation found their way into the Matrix... 500 years before the sixth Doctor arrived on Ravalox, and they fled to Earth. The time was devastated with a fireball, transforming Earth into Ravalox. But how much of this comes from the mysterious planet, and how much of this is just told? No, no, it's definitely in the mysterious planet. So, okay, okay so, so here's the thing. Yeah, so the sleepers are the dudes in the mysterious planet who I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, I'm like 91% sure, are already dead. They were there originally, whatever, blah, 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 blah. What we learn here is that the sleepers had stolen, stop me at any point when you know I'm wrong, that the sleepers had stolen tech skills, like science research, effectively, f directly from the Matrix. And all of that research was stored on like data banks or in data banks in that underground station on Ravalox slash Earth. The Time Lords or the High Council find out about this, go, holy shit snacks, no one can find out that someone stole stuff from us, from our Matrix, and took it to Earth. We're going to move the Earth because that's the best way to deal with this. <laughs> they do so. Doc goes there and realizes, I have no idea where I am. This is, this is a mysterious planet. And that's the thing, by the way, that's the thing that in the mysterious planet we bleep or we hear bleeped in yeah in the like episode they they say something like hey we were we wanted to transport bleep from andromeda or to andromeda from here or something like that and the bleep was lots of secret tech from the matrix yeah i gathered that much 
I think I must have just totally blanked on this sleepers aspect in the mysterious plant, though. I have no notes about it. I just looked it up. So I was I was missing that piece of the puzzle, which they, they explain here. It's like, well, whoever these sleepers are, they leaked secrets from Gallifrey, like you say, and then it's a big cover-up to try and get the secrets back. And then, yeah, like you say, let's blow Earth out of orbit. Let's fireball it and push it out of orbit. And that's problem solved, obviously. No one will then look into this out-of-orbit planet and go, what the fuck's happened here? No. <laughs> well, that's as a plot by the High Council that is entirely dumb. But so to return to the original question, did the High Council create the Valyard solely because Doc stumbled upon Ravalox and found out about the secrets from Andromeda, or from the Matrix, sorry. I can't remember what the Andromeda connection is, but for yeah, that reason, did they go, hmm, fuck, best way to deal with this, clone Doc's bad side, force him into a trial, make the bad guy, bad clone, <laughs> the prosecutor, fill a whole season of TV with it. <laughs> How, what? Yeah, it's it's pretty bonkers out there for anyone to imagine that's a plotline. And it's, it's the one we've got, so... <laughs> okay, here's a follow-up question. In The Mysterious Planet, we get to see... Oh my god, you know what? We foresaw this when we were reviewing The Mysterious Planet. We were saying something like... We don't really know what's going on here right now, but when we get to the end of this season, we'll be able to look back and review everything slightly differently. So in The Mysterious Planet, there is that scene that was bleeped, yeah. in which effectively the ending that we find out about here in this serial is corroborated. If it had already happened in The Mysterious Planet and Doc had already heard it, and Doc at the time went, wait, what did you just bleep? I don't know what, what happened there. That suggests he doesn't... Oh, yeah, in fact, yes, he couldn't remember anything. He was saying at the time, I've got yeah, memory yeah. loss. Holy shit. What? But why not, If they like, can do he, yeah, that, he had memory why loss. have the whole fucking value? Just shoot yeah. him in the head. <laughs> They've already mind-warped him. Shoot him in the head. Yeah, they, they have Garot a weird... Garrot him with his coat. <laughs> weird way of dealing with these things. But it also, like, this serial is all over the shop. Like, coming back to the ultimate foe parts, the, yeah. the last two parts of the Trial of the Time Lord. Yeah. Like, there's this tiny bit in the middle, I think it's sort of in the middle, where, like, the, mast, the master's plan is basically put Valyard against Doc. Hopefully they kill each other. If not, Doc's probably going to win. I don't want the Valyard because if the Valyard wins, he's going to be a worse adversary than Doc, because he's an evil bastard just like me. That's the logic. But also, by proving that the Matrix is not as wonderful and as secure as everyone thinks it is, and that there's been this plot by the High Council of Gallifrey, we're going to destabilize Gallifrey. Great, I hate Gallifrey, go fuck yourselves. And there's yeah. this tiny bit in the middle where the Keeper comes in and says, Oh my god! Uh, Gallifrey's falling apart, man. Like old people yeah, yeah. are revolting. This is the sixth, Shoot. sixth of January Shit, of Gallifrey. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, too soon, maybe. I think basically you're right. Like the High Council must have created the Valyard because Doc learned something. It's stupid. Everything they have done or are explained to have done, because we don't see any of them. None of them are answering for their crimes here. They're just yeah. imaginary Time Lords off camera, which is a bit shitty. Like the High, high like. It's a bit weird in you who where you get Russell on turning up and then you get um, the Doctor having confrontations with every High Council member of Gallifrey. But 
I think I prefer that to just, here's a courtroom of people. There's the Inquisitor. There's the Keeper of the Matrix. All hell is breaking loose. Accusations are being flung around left, right, and center that the High Council are a corrupt bunch of bastards who are like blowing up planets. And they're just like, back to this trial in a minute. Hang on a second. It's really, it's really important that we finish this trial. So, okay, so can you explain to me why the High Council is disbanded at the end? Why is there a Gallifreyan revolution? You would hope something would happen after the events that unfold. But, but how mean, does, what, why does the public know about this? Is this a public no, trial? Do, is this being well, televised I, across the Citadel? I assume there's something the Master does. Maybe he did something in this serial and i didn't make a note of it but i know that's like he wants this to happen so maybe he he broadcast something because he's in the matrix the matrix is that is true this fancy schmancy thing that it's the wikipedia just, I mean, of gallifrey <laughs> and it's also a deus ex machina it, they can it can do whatever the fuck they want it to do sometimes mm. it seems so yeah maybe it has a broadcast to everyone in gallifrey mode and suddenly the master goes hello it's me surprisingly master Surprisingly, a lot of you don't know who I am. That's weird, pinning that. But by the way, yeah, the High Council blew up a planet, bunch of assholes. Might want to revolt now. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. And then everyone in Gallifrey sees this broadcast and just goes, oh, yeah, no, we're done with democracy and civilization. <laughs> we're yeah. we're going to get rid of Hang the High all. Council. What? <laughs> Yeah, that also doesn't make any sense. That happens way too quickly, way too abruptly. Yeah. But the fact that the... Dag Nabbit, okay, can we go back to what you said before? Sorry, this is going taking a step back from the High Council, but you mentioned the the Master shows up, he wants... He doesn't want the Valiard around because the Valiard would beat him, or like the Valiard is too difficult an adversary, too yeah. challenging a, a, an opponent. He wants Doc to be around because he's a really easy foe to beat. The Master and the Valiard arguably have more in common than the Master and Doc. Yeah. But Master wants Doc to fight the Valiard because the the Doctor would win against the Valiard and therefore he would have an easier opponent around. That doesn't even make sense by top Trump's rules. But, <laughs> <laughs> And, and also but, by the score sheet for Master versus Doctor up to now. What is it, like 20 nil? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If if anything, I would buy it if the High Council created the Valyard because Doc was taking too long to just fire a bullet, a sonic bullet into the Master's brain. And the High Council just went, listen, you clearly have the aptitude, you clearly have the potential, but we need you to be more of a dick. We're going to turn you into this dude with a black outfit, and he's going to go and deal with a job for you. See yeah, that? I would, I would yeah. have quite liked. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there... Sorry, I don't want to segue us away if it. you've got... No, no, go okay. for it, go for it. This, our review, just like this episode, is, as you said before, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this, this is the thing I'm struggling with the most. And it's not fair to the serial, because I had spoilers going into this okay like like i like you like you were you were right to point out this is the thing i knew about the trial of a time lord i knew the valyard was this 
And it, it was the amalgamation of the Doctor that I, I knew. So, And I thought right. it was more specific. I thought it was like every version and future version of the Doctor pushed into one being. The fact oh, that wow. it, it had these side thing of like, no, it's just your evil parts. Like, I didn't know about that. This is something I'd read like years and years and years ago, and I was so intrigued by it. I was so happy when we got to the trial of the Time Lord, then turned out that the Valiar is just this dick in the courtroom. And then... <laughs> The actual revelation of who he is and what they could do with that is such a letdown, man. (laughs) 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 Like, this is. You are right, but it was a pretty cool revelation nonetheless, right? Like, oh, yeah, I I prefer to call him the Doctor, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it was very nonchalant of the Master and then Doctor. Wait, wait, what the fuck? Hold the phone. Wait, there are two Gallifreyans named the Doctor? No, Doc, you don't understand. He's the same. <laughs> I want to say, I call dibs on that name. We all have a name that's just a noun. I can't believe there's just the one Master. Surely every pubescent Time Lord thinks that I'm going to call myself the Master. There must, be, there must be a thousand Time Lords called Lord Giant Cock. You know, <laughs> when the do you get schlong. to pick your name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely yeah. a master baker out there. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah, the reveal, the big reveal. The big reveal. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's a letdown in the sense that it could have been much more, it could have meant more. But I think the way that the reveal was handled was actually pretty decent. I did, yeah, I kind of liked the reveal. You're right. I think that, that, was, that was done fairly well. And up to this point as well, I'm like, wait, what did I read all these years ago? Like, they're not saying anything about the Valiard being an amalgamation of the Doctor. Yeah. So it was kind of nice that it was like, oh, okay, it is this. Fine. But then... Oh, sorry, go for it. it. It's basically irrelevant. Like, yeah, what, absolutely. What aspect of the Valiard being like the Doctor is used in this serial? None. The only thing we get is sort of... Okay, I think... Here's my best answer to that question, at least off the top of my head. The Valiard and the Master are sort of the exact same character to me. The difference is, if the Doc loses against the the Master, he's almost martyred. If the Doc loses against the Valiard, that's his entire legacy tainted. Because how sad is it if the Doctor ends up as this mean wad? <laughs> Rather than yeah, rather than remain this, he's he's been a champion for good. He's been the protector of the little guy throughout time and yeah. space for millennia. And how tragic would it be if he is just replaced by? If, if in the end all we remember is a, a a dick. But that's kind of my point, though. Is like at no point in this serial does the Valiard present himself as anything other than the Valiard or this. JJ Chambers guy or Popperwick or whatever he is. Like Yeah, that's true. There's never we find there's out. never the intention of it of like I'm gonna it's just I'm gonna take your regenerations. It's not I'm gonna become you. Which okay. that would have made things better. Just a little line there actually would have been enough. It's like I'm gonna take over. You're not worthy of being the doctor anymore. I'm gonna do it for you, sort of thing. You just raised a point that I'd completely forgotten about. He wants Doc's regenerations. Yeah. Is this what springs to mind, to be honest, even though I really did not like it in this episode, is Power of the Doctor, the latest one. The farewell to Whitaker. I was thinking of that as well, because this is exactly what the Master does. Right? Is, that, is that what you're Very talking similar, about? Yeah. yeah, the yeah, Master exactly. pretends to be the Doctor. So is that what the Valyard is actually after here? Holy shit, Chibbers, were you a genius all along and we didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Can I mean, someone I think... Scooby Doo Chibbers? There's just like there's an absolute idiot who can't write in the corner. We take off his mask, and he's a mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> I think that version of events where the master tries, I don't think it was handled particularly well in The Power of Doctor, to be fair. But I think that idea, the master is trying to taint the legacy of the doctor. Very yeah. good storyline, very good motivation, works as a evil plot. Tick, tick, tick. Sure. This, though, I'm not convinced the Valyard has any of that. I don't think it's ever said. We barely get like motivation from the Valyard himself. We get a couple of scenes where there's you know actual dialogue exchanged between him and doc most of it's just like chasing around yeah and, the whole, and, I mean, and him just talking about how badass he is yeah like the motivation we get is relayed through the master again i think and it's just the sense that he wants the regenerations and yeah see that now it suggests just, to me uh, that he isn't no. a future regeneration of the doc that he is by t by having the high council take all the bad bits of the doc turn him into a clone effectively we now have someone with the potential of regeneration but not along the same timeline he is not a descendant of doc he's not, as in like a future version of doc and by taking over his regenerations he becomes a descendant he becomes the future of the doctor and that's kind of in that case what i meant before is sort of at stake that's the doctor's legacy yeah i don't know i guess maybe that's what it means to take someone's regenerations i don't know because like, the master's always been trying to steal regeneration energy and i yeah. don't know how that's referred to but you never think he's going to be taking over someone else's no that's true form. ainsley that's another reason why the value and the master are basically the same oh sorry well on, sorry. yeah i say we do get ainsley's master you know he looks like another being he takes over nissa's yeah. dad somehow we never yes, can't exactly. remember how that happened but yeah so i can't remember either like all all he has done in terms of becoming someone else as it were is become a non-gallifreyan like to look like a non-gallifreyan whilst keeping yeah. regeneration i don't know so i'm just not buying that they made this sound as good as it could have done or, or like yeah. it is not it doesn't come across as good as it sounds sort of thing because the valiard yeah, being exactly amalgamation of of the doctor is a wonderful idea i was i was so so excited for this and just felt really let down yeah i mean it's called the ultimate foe i know there's a big big thing in wikipedia that this this is not what it was known as like it had a working title of time incorporated obviously all of these things are just broadcast as the trial of a time lord part so is, this is part 11 and part 12 and it wasn't until some years later that the ultimate foe became a title attached to these two episodes but still like they see this as the ultimate foe like doc's ultimate foe is an amalgamation of his bad bits and it's just blah, no. Yeah, doesn't get any more challenging, any any worse, any more threatening than this. That's it. I've just looked him up on Todd's Wikia to see if we get anything else with him. He's in a good few audiobooks. Curious about that, including some Sixth Doctor ones. Four Sixth Doctor audiobooks feature the Valyard. Nice. So maybe he does get more of a story. Maybe he's fleshed out in some way. Yeah, maybe. Because I'm totally on board with what you're saying about him in this one. Who, no, who cares? He is, yeah. he is by no means the culmination of... This is the problem with every single time we get a... this. They're the worst aliens in the universe. They're the most <laughs> evil race there ever was. This dude is the biggest nemesis I could ever have. By which I mean he's really tall. And there's someone even worse behind him. Yada, yada, yada. It will almost always fall flat. It's always a disappointment. Yeah. 
That's fair. To frame it a different way, I'm going to ask you a question. Because up to this point, we've just had courtroom Valyard. Okay. Yeah. Not any kind of ultimate foe attached to that. And rightly so, I would imagine. So when the master appeared on screen, how excited were you? (laughs) I was so incredibly pleased. He elevates the story and the acting to such a degree. It's redonkulous. At this point, I was thoroughly unenthralled by the serial. Ainsley shows up is just so masterful and devious and such a dick. He just immediately goes, plot twist, witty comeback. (laughs) I'm using placeholders here. Excellent delivery. And what delivery as well. This is also, to be clear, this is right after Mel and Sabalom Glitz have just have been summoned to the trial and Sablon Glitz already like from moment one is to me he's a letdown he's nowhere near as charming and witty and fun to watch as he was the first time around in Mysterious Planet and Mel is just Ooh, interesting wow oh do you disagree I can't remember what he was like when he first appeared but there are definitely points in the serial dude he was awesome tastic balls he was so good it was him yeah. and I can't remember what his his body was called Gobba or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. They were such a good duo, and he was so wonderfully full of himself. He could wrangle any treasure from any warrior's hands. He could aid queens to do his bidding. He was just such a massive asshole. It was a, a wonderful experience to watch him. And here he's just... This doesn't work. It doesn't feel like he's been... It doesn't feel like he's been written properly. His acting is I, also a little off. I kind of know what you mean. I think it is a subdued experience because he's not used very well in the script. But I think when yeah. he comes on screen and has some decent dialogue, I think he's still... Like, the actor's still performing very well. And I think I enjoyed him a hell of a lot. At least I <laughs> super love the fact... The scene where uh, the master tries to hypnotize him, and he's just—he's too—he's too much of a rogue to like get hypnotized. He's just wondering how much the gem is worth. Is like, yeah, well, what will you have for that, dude? I don't like. I'll take it off your hands for Bob. Yeah, no, ten Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I'll just nick it from you. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. It, it, what does he say? He says, "I just want to go back home and return to a life of honest thieving." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. He is one of the highlights of this serial, but comparing his performance here, not maybe I'm being unfair to the actor, but comparing his participation, the character's participation in this serial to Sablom Glitz in The Mysterious Planet, you just can't. They're incomparable. In the first one, he was hilarious in this one. He's, he's almost like a different character to me. It's more of a callback than a return of a character. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, so any, you gonna... anyway, m- the most of shows up Ainley is on screen it saved me I was so pleased when he showed up did you not feel the same absolutely this is the point no we haven't had the revolution so the master comes on and he gives us the the reveal of who the Valyard is I mean who better to do it as well yeah absolutely but yeah it was 100% as like we've in some ways suffered through this courtroom of you know bite-sized episodes back to courtroom you know for, for three serials 
And now we, like, it, it seemed evident, and I knew this was only two parts as well, it seemed evident we weren't going to get that again. This is going to be something different. We're at the trial. They're just, they're doing the same thing again. It's like Doc saying it's been tampered with. They bring up someone else to say, no, it's not been tampered with. And it's like, well, yeah, I've, I've seen this one, I think, yeah, three times already, actually. Exactly. It adds yeah. nothing new. Could, yeah. do, could do with something else adding to this. And boom, oh, master. Yes, that's what we needed. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but then also, why... <laughs> Why doesn't the trial end the second the master shows up in the in the matrix? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the only argument that you have, which obviously would completely redeem you if it were true, is that someone could get into the matrix and uh, tamper with it. Absolutely impossible. Vum. Matrix TV shows up and the master is on it. He goes, "Hi, I'm in it." The doctor's completely right. I'm in the matrix. Case closed. Why doesn't everyone just go right? Well, we're all getting fifteen minutes back in our day. Let's maybe go down to Pret, have a coffee before your next call it'll be great you know <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is this still going on for why yeah, is I mean, the priority well, the mate the master who is like the arch enemy of the gallifreyans he has invaded our system that is the most important thing ever yeah this is the pin i put down earlier that i'm gonna pick up sorry why doesn't sorry, sorry, anyone sorry. know who the master is we have a bunch of what are they, the jury? I don't know. Jury Time Lords who don't say anything. Yeah. I think they might grumble a bit in this one. Like They might actually, they might be heard, which might be the first time in this entire season. But yeah, they're just background. But there are, there are a bunch of Time Lords here. There's the Inquisitor. There's the Keeper of the Matrix. Yeah. The Master pops up, and I can't remember how it's, it's portrayed, but none of them know who he is. It's like, what the actual fuck? Like, this dude has messed with your society on countless occasions. Like, he's... Did he kill the president? I forget what the fuck he's done. But, like, shit's gone down. It's in your history books. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you learn about him at school, surely. (laughs) Exactly. Did he, did he like, hypnotize someone to assassinate the president? I think that's what happened. He certainly, like, minified people and put them inside telescopes. (laughs) He has fucked with shit. This is the dude who needed regenerations himself and went down into the crypt and used all the, like, trinkets of Rassilon to blast himself in the ass with the power of the untempered schism or whatever. I've completely forgotten the terminology. You know what I mean. (laughs) When he's a skeleton, he has effed this planet in the A, (laughs) and you're so right. There should be a special class taught about him at Gallifrey Academy. Yeah, that that really frustrated me. And I think that's the in-episode explanation of why no one gives a shit that he's sat there in the Matrix. They should be. They should be blowing their gasket that someone is in the Matrix. Like, the Keeper of the Matrix is so blasé about it. He's just like, oh, I guess... Someone else will do something. That MF just wants to keep his job at this point. I think he's he has yeah. just been called a total fraud because he's like, no, I've got the best system in the world. Look, I've got the only key hanging <laughs> on the outside of my coat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's impossible my, to steal. You know what? <laughs> and you know, physically, no one can get near me because you, my secret. Do you want to hear it? I trip yeah, people up, man. Really, yeah. <laughs> really good at tripping. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's not that I know jujitsu or anything. Just 
I'm just so quick with my little right foot nipping out. Oh, how I trip someone up when they're coming to like right at me is a skill. It really is. Like <laughs> you can't imagine. Imagine what's <laughs> imagine what's going through his mind at the end when when Mel runs towards him. He tries to trip her, and she's like, "Nah, not having any of that, buddy," and just runs past him. In his mind, he goes, "Shit, that's that's like quite literally the only thing I bring to the table. <laughs> Someone <laughs> has bested me. It's time to retire." You know what? I'm gonna get into painting portraits <laughs> wait is that and what just, happens it, does he go it? does he go take his robe off and put it on a, a coat a coat hook in the corner and then the valiant <laughs> pops in and goes it. oh hello this fits well, nicely this on. yeah no one's ever looked the keeper of the matrix in the face because that's how unimportant he is to, he has no friends which is why the valiant doesn't even have to hide his identity <laughs> the inquisitor <laughs> just goes bye keeper and he's like yeah bye that's me i promise <laughs> Should Horrible. we talk about that? What the fuck? So he survives, yeah. So that we've got a massive cliffhanger. The Valyard is around. And I'm quite pleased. I am pleased they didn't kill him off. It doesn't make any sense. But also, like, just in, in production land. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are in... Are we still in 1986? I'm assuming so. Yeah, just so. about. So last last broadcast is, in, is on the 6th of December, 1986. Yeah. So... This is the point. They, they're they worried about getting cancelled as well. So they didn't want yeah. to end on negatives. So that there's some other stuff to do with the script, which we can get into, like trivia around that. But they intentionally were trying to keep this open. That's why Doc just goes off as normal, happy as Larry. We, we don't get a regeneration, even though this is the last experience of the sixth Doctor. We can expand on that in a bit. But also, yeah, they let the Valyard live. So this is an incredibly open-ended end to a serial. But we've just established the Valyard doesn't appear again in anything on television. And what I just said, and we can unpack if we want to now. Date. To yeah. date, yeah. This is it for the sixth Doctor. But this is how this series ends. This is how 1986 Doctor Who ends. Just carry on as normal, open-ended. The Valyard could come back next week and steal your lunch money. The sixth Doctor is off on his happy way. He's there with Mel, who you've barely met. <laughs> But they're, they're going to have yeah. some fun together, aren't they? But no. <laughs> well, you raise some super duper good points, and I completely agree with you. But I wonder if this is just indicative of them not yet having had a final decision from the BBC execs. And they're thinking, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna either keep up appearances or we're gonna, we're gonna proceed based on the assumption that we will continue. Like there will be another season and Colin Baker is going to return and Mel is going to be the companion and the Valyard is now like the master 2.0. Da, da, damn cliffhanger yeah, for the next season, which absolutely is happening. So you think it's a big gamble? Because if they make it more final, if they go like, yeah, Doc's regenerated, like Colin Baker is no longer around, the bad guy has disappeared maybe the master's learned his lesson whatever it is then there is no reason to keep this show around anymore yeah i guess i guess that makes 100 percent sense because they don't know their acts they don't have presumably at this point they don't have the seventh doctor waiting in the wings like you say they're probably thinking colin baker's doing another series i'm assuming so yeah how long a time passes between this episode and the next so we get 7th of September the following year. So not that long. It's just, you know, the probably the, the normal break between seasons. Yeah. I haven't read up about this. Do you know why Colin Baker doesn't return in the next season? All I know, 
because I don't want to read about Seventh Doctor Land yet, and I'm yeah. worried about reading too no, much no, no, on that I. side of it. But the the Wikipedia page for the Ultimate Foe says that this is the last story to feature Colin Baker, and Baker declined to do the regeneration for the following story. So that all fits. It's like at this point, Colin Baker's staying on. Then they've made a decision yeah. they're going to swap out the Doctor. But the way it's written on Wikipedia is like in brackets when he was dismissed from the role. So obviously, you're, if you're changing the Doctor, yeah, you you've you've been sacked effectively because they've they've yeah, hired exactly. Sebastian Foy. So yeah, but I guess the nature of which he was dismissed, maybe he wasn't happy with. Maybe he was led to believe that you know things were going on as normal, and he refused to do the regeneration. I don't know. We will maybe find out. Yeah, let's maybe spend a little bit of time. I don't want to look this up now either. I'm I'm with you on that. Let's maybe spend a little bit of time on that when we get to the first Sylvester McCoy episode, yes. just to avoid spoilers. Oh, but right now, not knowing the full story, I feel kind of bad for Colin Baker. Absolutely. Like we, this isn't a retrospective for the Sixth Doctor, but I have enjoyed him as an actor and him in the role of the Doctor way more than I thought I was going to. Everyone's so yeah. down on his Absolutely. brain. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it just it just seems unwarranted like i get that there's this probably isn't the best era of doctor who as a whole but i don't hold that against him at all oh I, i'm with you on that absolutely that's not colin baker's fault colin baker was absolutely tremendous. yeah we should keep this for the retrospective yeah. which still needs to be scheduled in by the way but but yeah no i'm with you colin baker tremendous actor so good as the doctor yeah yeah and you know what? I'm kind of coming around to the to Ainley as the master here as well. I already did like him before. He's yeah, no, he's a he's a really good master. I definitely liked him in this. And apologies if I keep saying Ainsley. I have Wait, a feeling which one I is do. it? Is it Ainley or Ainsley? I actually it's don't Ain- know. It's Ainley, no S. Boom, Ainley. <laughs> I think I always say Ainsley, like Ainsley Harry. <laughs> I think I said I Ainsley know. before as well. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the people that have been screaming for the last, you know, whatever it is, 45 minutes, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we've we've got an email or two as well. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're here for accuracy, no, Um, just no. Check out any number of other Doctor Who podcasts where they know way more (laughs) than we do. Okay, I'm going to throw some names at you and you can tell me where you want to where you want to start. Mel. (laughs) Do you want to talk Mel? (laughs) It, Would you it like be to over talk? In probably about yeah, 10 Mel, seconds. Mel. <laughs> oh, really? She okay, was in this. I'm, I'm so glad that you you picked Mel because that's where my list ended. Wait, really? That's all you have to say about Mel? She just she's given a hard sell in this because she she doesn't have a lot to do. But I actually still I kind of like her. She she's always like what we've seen of her so far. She's portrayed as very very with it, just does the right thing. Stupidly gets tripped off by the keeper of the Matrix, which was really dumb. What else does she do? I don't know. We get to, like, a lot fake of shouting, Mel. a lot of overacting. Oh yeah, we do screaming. get something incredibly bad acting at the start, in particular. What did I write down? I mean, dreadful yeah. acting. Dreadful. Like, she was full in a stage production, it felt like. She was like projecting yeah. to the audience at the back and doing everything big. Like, I'm on the stage, don't you know? There isn't a camera right <laughs> in front of me. No. Ex- yes, exactly. That's such a good... Yes, that's exactly what's happening. I wonder if she does have a theatre background and that's what she's going for. She's dreadful. When she is talking to... Ainley up on the screen. It's like watching Jaden Smith act against Meryl Streep. She is dreadful. <laughs> 
She's utterly dreadful. <laughs> By which I mean Mel, later on. Meryl. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> she gets better later on, I think. But that that starting bit is, yeah, pretty damn awful. So there's one point. I wonder if we can use this as a segue to the knowledge that I know that you have, that I don't have, and that I'm super curious about, about the history of the, the write, writing the scripts for this serial. Because there's one bit later on in... I'm assuming it's part two... When Doc is inside the Matrix, oh yes, this is when Doc is sort of paralyzed, he's standing completely still, and Mel has jumped into the Matrix, and she's in amongst the shadows, and she's calling out to Doc, and this is what kind of snaps Doc out of his trance. She is overacting to such a degree, it's almost unbelievable. And I haven't read all the trivia, but I did see one thing about there having been a prior incarnation of the script, in which there was an idea that there was a fake Mel almost delivering a siren song to Doc. And I wonder if that is that was originally intended to be one such scene, because it's so, that is a fake so poorly delivered. Is it? What? Yeah, then we zoom out from the the Matrix TV and Mel is there in the (gasps) trial watching it. Oh my god, you're so right! Oh my (laughs) god! Okay, yes, you're so right. Okay, let's jump into your your trivia knowledge, dude. And then absolutely, please, can we talk about the inception of the trial of the trial of the trial (laughs) of the Time Lord? So um, this is just from Wikipedia, but yeah, the script is one that Robert Holmes wrote so he wrote the first episode and a draft yeah oh, no no he wrote a draft of the first had an outline for the second and then sadly died so they had to move on without him but also eric saward has either resigned at this point or is about to resign but agrees to step in to write the final episode based on the draft the, sorry the outline right. that holmes did but okay. he's he resigns because of a disagreement with John Nathan Turner, who I don't know anything about. But the way he, all the trivia resolves around him suggests he's not the easiest guy to get on with. Anyway. Oh, really? Um, I only know that he was a showrunner. I know nothing else. So, yeah. And then tries to kind of tie the original draft of the first part with this new thing. And he just gets credited as the script editor. But apparently the original version had a lot of like the Whitechapel murders, like Jack the Ripper stuff. And that was felt to be too unsuitable. And so they scrapped all of that. But that explains the look and feel of the Matrix, the part of the Matrix where they arrive. Yeah, which I really like, actually. Like, I think that that feel is super creepy. You know, all all the Matrix bits around this fake London. Much better than the beach. Shadows and music. (laughs) Yeah, the beach was a bit naff. (laughs) And children singing. And that weird barrel where hands come out and try to drown you. Yeah, that actually, was I'm, weird. I'm, I could I could do without those hands, but I absolutely dig long and I'm with you. Yeah, and it it was apparently meant to have this inconclusive cliffhanger where Doc and the Valyard are plunging to their deaths as well. And what Nathan Turner was like, no, 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 like we're on the verge of being axed, guys. Like we we need to keep this a bit more upbeat and open ended, and you know. So they rewrote the, the ending. The BBC has a tendency to end the final episode of TV shows by having the protagonists die. The young ones, everyone plummets over a cliff. Spoilers for the young ones. You know, let, let's not kill the yeah. doctor. Actually, that like, explains. Okay. Yeah, that's like every single blackout at season ending. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, very interesting. I didn't realize that was a trope. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's a weird yeah, you, thing that the BBC did, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to give them room to say, okay, you're you're done. You wrote your nice yeah. ending in a bleak way. Good. No. Yeah. So they, they Your went, nice ending. You killed your hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The nice ending. Yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah, they went back to the drawing board. And this is when Pip and Jane Baker step in. So they write a replacement for this right. final episode. That, and obviously they keep some of the aspect but because Saward has left at this point there's like copyright problems so they're not allowed to see his script or something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what's on wikipedia what? okay yeah but yeah okay yeah sorry so, go ahead sorry and they literally <laughs> they have like a court appointed person in all of the commissioning meetings so they're allowed to use the draft that holmes originally wrote and they can base it on that but they can't use any of the stuff that Saward wrote and it's just like what the fuck is wrong with you bbc like how would you piss off That's all these people absurd. how can't you just get someone to write an episode <laughs> that you like like i don't know anyway so yeah we get we end up with the pip and jane baker version which ends with this positive thing and then they also get the brainwave of you know what since we're saying and everyone lived happily ever after why don't we do that with perry as well so that's a bit of a late addition to throw in this thing that oh perry didn't die that was a a tweak of the matrix she became a queen married to brian blessed there we go (laughs) yes exactly yeah i did read that that was in response to criticism from viewers and the bbc just went oh yeah wait let's just unkill her it was the most bizarre like ending of a companion ever it was like what is that it is that what happened because oh, we just watch it in a video in a courtroom as well. Like it's yeah, it was such such a mistreatment. So I guess what we're led to believe in that. I'm sorry, I'm, I feel like this is a bit of a tangent from your arguments, but I guess what we're led to believe is that what we watched in that particular episode or that serial was just bullshit. <laughs> that was fake. Yeah, but this is the thing I was arguing. I can't remember if it was last last time we recorded or the one before or all of them. Like we are since the well the end of the very first serial in this season yeah from then onward we're led to believe what we are being shown isn't necessarily the truth or is being redacted or is being manipulated in some way so at that point onwards they're free to do whatever the fuck they want aren't they they can just say oh no the Valiard didn't like Perry, so he killed her off, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, the Valiard didn't like bananas. So all, you know, there were, there was a whole scene here where people just sat down and ate bananas for half an hour. No, no, he, he wasn't having any of it. Sorry, we don't get to see that one. It was really important to the plot, but no, not today. I would pay good money to watch that serial. <laughs> I feel like that might have been a better serial as well. What, it's like it's set among the treetops? <laughs> if you want. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Anything oh, goes. I'm totally on board. Totally on board. <laughs> I don't think that really made my point, but there we go. We were imagining them all sat around eating bananas. Job done. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, I'm with you. There comes a point where an unreliable narrator loses the audience's sympathy, I guess. And that might be when there are zero consequences for the unreliability of the narration. And that is what we're getting here. It doesn't matter. Like It absolutely does not matter that we've just endured, not watched, endured a season <laughs> of Doctor Who that is potentially entirely without consequence. Yeah. And that, that should never be allowed to be the case with anything. Absolutely with anything. Because hey, here's a big question. Yeah. Like, given these are time-traveling people, and it's the Time Lords that okayed this Magnetron thing that pushed Earth out of orbit and fireballed it or whatever. Yeah. Like, are those still the set chain of events, or is that going to change? 
That's a good question. I assume yes. I assume the Time Lords effectively committed genocide. They committed the crime of which they are accusing the Doctor, but in their case, the the people they killed were Earthlings. Yeah, so that's just going to stay it's not because they can't genocide because other Earthlings come back. But oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's as good as the way we yeah, use gen- genocide in today's society. We don't generally accept it has to wipe out an entire peoples. It's just targeted to do so. Yeah, and that that's definitely what they were doing. They firebomb an entire planet, and then they have the gall to tell Doc, "You committed genocide by throwing some magnesium at five plants." We're going to kill you. But And then they have the goal to say, actually, you know what? We we are accusing you of genocides, even though you're saying you committed genocide in order to save a planet. <laughs> and then he's freed from all charges of genocide because he saves Gallifrey. Yeah, this is what I was about to say. It's like... Their argument about him committing genocide hasn't gone away. He did the thing that they watched. Absolutely, yeah. And they also did the thing that he now knows. So this is a case. This is a case of two people going. You're a murderer. No, you're a murderer. Okay, we're both murderers. Let's agree never to talk about this again. Like, yeah. Have a nice day. Yeah. We both know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Let's call it even. Even Stephen. Yeah, Time Lords in general, and unfortunately, it seems we're including the Doctor in this at the moment, are a bunch of assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. I don't quite buy their argument that Doc was committing genocide. Because this, isn't this like a species that's brought into being by these botanists as well? Or, like, where did these Oh, that's a very interesting point. Like, there's a whole philosophical thing about, you know, what life is and if you've if you've created life is that that means there's no right to destroy it or whatever yeah so if you grow new fungus in a petri dish and then you break that dish have you committed genocide yeah like because it turned out to be sentient you didn't realize or or whatever but yeah Yeah. also if you to be fair the vervoids speak english and have like properly reasonable democratic dialogue (laughs) Yeah, they're, they seem to be they're much cleverer than your average houseplant. <laughs> Smarter than the average houseplant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're self-aware, for starters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to wave clear, at my not... uh, nearest plant just in case. Hi, buddy. Yeah, I'm not saying it was cool that, you know, they all got killed. But in the, in the same way, like, it doesn't mean, yeah, everyone that accidentally creates some form of sentient life, which it doesn't seem that hard. These these guys did it fairly, I don't know, fairly easily. It seems that, you know, a bunch of botanists managed to create life from, like, sentient life from plants. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Like, it easy, seems like easy. you could almost do that by mistake, and suddenly the plants start strangling you, kill it, and it's like, fuck, I'm a murderer. It's yeah. Like, that's it. Well, really? I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it works. I don't understand why this is a conundrum to you. This is exactly how okay. it works. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying that the bodies that the Time Lord High Council have buried are significantly larger in number than the bodies that Doc has buried. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We already touched upon the Whitechapel aspect of the Matrix, which is super interesting to me, and 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 definitely, definitely the most the most compelling setting and interesting just ambiance we get in the Matrix. How do you feel about this return to the Matrix in general, though? The last time it was 
similarly quite a chaotic ordeal. Yeah. Does it still does it stack up in that department? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it interesting? Should we just like never go back to the Matrix again? <laughs> I think I would be quite happy not to go back to the Matrix. It's it seems like a poor man's holodeck. Like every now and again, yeah. it's like, oh, we can do a set we wouldn't normally do, or it gives the actors a bit of room away from their normal character. It's like, yeah, but it's not that fun for me to watch. <laughs> yeah. This, I don't know. There, there are elements of this I really liked, actually. The clerk guy, what's he called? Did you recognize him? I did. So where do you recognize him from? Keeping Up Appearances. This is the second Keeping Up Appearances Me- connection in possibly a season. I can't remember when we got the last one or even who it was. But I remember us talking about Keeping Up Appearances recently. <laughs> I oh, don't know. it was the husband. It was the husband. Oh. Mr. Bouquet was yes. in some, some serial. I can't remember which one. This is, one is the neighbor or the brother-in-law, I think it is, Onslow. Yeah, the, the slobby guy, yeah. Yeah, the guy who never wears sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite a transformation like to know that yeah. this actor for that character and see him in this very to-do Popplewick, he's called. You know, Popplewick, clerk. such a good name. Yeah. Such a good name. But yeah, I loved his performance. I loved this character that's just sat there as like, you know, the clerk the reception guy i don't know what what his actual role was and then the weird scooby-doo-esque but not scooby-doo you know of like infinite doors infinite clerks it was the impression i got yeah. it was always described i think there were only actually two of them we saw but then there was oh the, the waiting uh, room door the very that, junior mr popplewick <laughs> yeah i loved how little sense that made but it made loads of sense at the same time you know that yeah. that was the nice kind of weirdness that i think I wouldn't mind, actually, a revisit of The Matrix if it was that kind of stuff. But the flipping yeah, I agree. between all the other things of like going to a beach and then there are hands coming up, like they're kind of nice in isolation, but just gets a bit much. It does, yeah. Let, let's talk hands on the beach, because are those not hand mines? That Is was that my... not what we later on get to see yeah. Davros, young Davros, encounter on Skaro? That was my thought, but then they don't really seem the same. Like they, You see more of an arm coming around, they're very grabby, and they pull him under. There's never the sense that yeah. oh, if true. you move, like it's going to explode. That's true. I'm tempted to still tag this with hand mines from the Vindex. <laughs> the Matrix of Who Back When. The, the, okay, so th- that was going to be my first question about that. Hand mines, yay or nay. But the second thing is, he gets pulled under. He gets drowned by the hand mines. And then he just emerges in that fabulous reversed footage of him. At some point, they shot footage of him being submerged in shit. And now they're yeah. just like playing it in reverse. He's coming up. He's completely clean. It's it, it's a great bit, a great little clip. But what he says is, this isn't real. We don't have to worry about anything that happens here. So why moments earlier was he worried about being drowned? And why seconds later are they running away from mustard gas or something, nerve gas yeah. on the beach? They don't have to worry about anything. It's not real. I think this is why I didn't... I can't quite remember all the bits from the last time we were in the Matrix. But it felt mm. that time round, the rules were very clear. You basically, if you died in the Matrix, you died in real life sort of thing. Like, it was very surreal. Things could change at a moment's notice. Like, the, the setting, the people you were interacting with. But it, it was harmful. Like, everything was a risk. Whereas here, they seem to have changed it into a, if you will it it's not going to hurt you type out of setup but then like you say they throw in oh apart from this gas this gas is definitely real this gas will hurt us or these 
feathers that are exploding they they might hurt us or i don't know it just seems like i'm now having to question what the rules are are there any rules like do i just have to watch this and switch my brain off because i can't follow any of this because you're making it up as you go along which isn't enjoyable okay follow-up question are they actually in the matrix because the last time we saw the Matrix, Doc put on a headset and he like it was just it was like Neo entering the Matrix. He plugged himself in and then his consciousness entered the Matrix. Here they there is a physical key and they enter a physical door and they are inside the Matrix. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Okay, let's file that in the we have no idea column. Yeah. How is the master just in the Matrix? He seems to be in the Matrix with his TARDIS. He's in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. Why does the Valyard escape into the Matrix? Why does the Valyard not escape in the Doctor's TARDIS? Surely the TARDIS will recognize him as the Doctor, and he can just take it, leave Gallifrey. For all we know, the Valyard was created in a Petri dish by, like, okay, rewind even further. The High Council, they're like, "Mm, what are we going to do? We're going to have to create a bad Doctor. Uh, Let's go to the Gallifreyan sperm bank. They look at the Doctor's, what I'm picturing is basically just like a wall of little bits of Gallifreyan spunk and there's one bit they're like hmm, which which bit are we going to use and then one member of the high council points at one particular spermatozoa and it has like a it has a mohawk and massive <laughs> earrings and it's just like covered in tattoos R- riding it's a, a harley riding a harley playing a six string of which one string is broken <laughs> like he's just an <laughs> asshole and, and they go that's the dude we're gonna we're gonna clone that one they do that then they put him through agonized like years of agonizing law school to have him become a prosecutor <laughs> they force him <laughs> down this particular career path the valiard doesn't want to do this with his life he runs past a tardis that could be his way out and he chooses not to he runs into the matrix instead why not just take the tardis leave and now we have effectively two masters, one with Regenerations who is the master, and one potentially without, who is the Valyard, who is thoroughly compelled to kill Doc and steal his Regenerations in the future. Yeah. I kind of fast forwarded to the end there, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I think it's a fair point. I don't really get why the Valyard goes into the Matrix, but then he he does have this plan of blowing shit up but I'm not quite sure what that was really all about either. Like, he's got this device that if it blew up, like, the Matrix screen itself would have, like, killed everyone in the courtroom it's like i don't think that's how television works <laughs> no, this is time lord tv it's it's, it's different <laughs> this is tv like uh, edward nigma's tv sets in batman forever <laughs> like it's all 3d <laughs> right yeah but yeah and I, I don't know did he have the same kind of motivation as the master is he literally the second master in this plot that he he would also quite like the high council and everyone in power in Gallifrey to snuff it and he will try and take some power. I don't know what the fuck was going on there. But he he has this thing set up in the Matrix. Like, it was his escape place. It was his base. Like, it was referred to as his base. Not that that makes any more sense. (laughs) That is true. But if he's now, like, he's he's actually inside the Matrix, it's sort of like Lawnmower Man, isn't it? It's like, I'm way more intelligent than all of you. I'm also quite sinister. I'm going to move myself into the one thing that's patched into everything in your civilization, and now I control everything. Yeah. But even that, wasn't like what was the element of control it was just it just seemed to be oh i'm gonna blow this up and some people will die yeah that is true (laughs) 
In the Matrix, okay. where nothing is real, he has built a machine, which, to be clear, not real. And yeah. that unreal machine has very real consequences in that it destroys an entire planet, potentially, or has the potential to do so. Yeah, fuck knows. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. It's, like, dumb. I, it's dumb, it's dumb, it's dumb. I am quite disappointed with this serial, it has to be said. And I... Yeah, same. I don't know if it had two more episodes whether that would have freed them up to play with some of this a bit more or whether they would have just shoved more of this shit at us. <laughs> yeah, I think this potentially is just a product of all the, the the sadness and the madness underlying the writing process of this serial. Yeah. If Holmes had been alive, then we would have had a more cohesive vision of this story. If there hadn't been a bunch of BBC bureaucracy and copyright shenanigans involved, then we might have had a better story. And instead, we we have two like reasonably good writers, Pip and Jane, who are forced into a corner in which their only choice is to patchwork solve, you know, patchwork tie up loose ends left behind by Robert Holmes. Yeah. It's unfair on everyone. Especially, I mean, presumably when they're brought on board, like there's not a lot of time left as well. Like there's probably yeah, rushed. true, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly, but yeah. <sighs> It's it's such a shame. I feel like, like I say, like the idea, the concept of the Valyard was so intriguing to me, and it just feels like it's just misused. And the idea of the Matrix isn't a bad one. Like this this place where you can go to from time to time. It is a bit like the holodeck, yeah, whatever. But from time to time, you can have something where the normal rules don't apply. You can do something a bit different. Yeah. Like I'm so intrigued what the original outline of like the Whitechapel murders stuff would have been like would the valyard have been the jack the ripper character and would doc have adopted the sherlock holmes type character or something i don't know that could have been an interesting play out well you know how weirdly this came up in my youtube feed the other day as one of the hey you'd probably like this clip and it was times that doctor who and star trek have referenced each other and in this one we get one line which is the 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 undiscovered country he talks about death as the undiscovered country Uh, okay star trek 6 undiscovered country in star trek tng we get a bunch of holodeck or at least a couple of holodeck adventure episodes with moriarty sherlock holmes and moriarty i'm pretty sure we have some jack the ripper shit in there as well that's the kind of thing i wanted to see here that's that's that is the serial i wish this were Dag nabbit, have the value of Moriarty. And that would have been like, okay, they're playing different characters. Like if you literally say it's Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes, then it is a, a holodeck type scenario. But it fits perfectly with the idea that the Valyard is some kind of has some kind of relation to the doctor. It's you know yeah. you can automatically judge him being a worthy ad- adversary because he's made up of parts of the doctor. It's like fuck. Doc might have met his match. He's going to be outsmarted yeah. by someone because it's himself, you know. Yeah, exactly. and all of that is squandered. Yeah, yeah, that is a massive missed opportunity. Right. Well, what a lovely note to end on, Jim Cakes. How would you feel about numerically rating this serial? I feel fantastic <laughs> about that. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey la 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 la. Ratings. Kablamatron podcast land and welcome to the hour mini section of this podcast episode. Jim Cakes, you devilish rascal. <laughs> 
Jim has very elegantly won the tip of finger on tip of nose game, and thus I am going first with my mini. I'll keep it very short and snappy. I want to say, for starters, Colin Baker delivers a just a stellar performance up until his very last moment as the Sixth Doctor. Bravo, sir. I'm not wearing a hat. Imagine I'm wearing a hat. Hats off. And I say his very last moment, though, thank goodness that's not entirely true, is it? I'm so glad we have audiobooks and five-ish docs and even his cameo on P of the D. That's Power of the Doctor. Keep your head out of the gutter, podcast land. What total chap. I'm looking forward to our Sixth Doctor retrospective because I'm not not done praising this guy. Mel, meanwhile, yikes caramba. I kind of liked her after the last stint, just thought she was a little too shouty. Your point of her being perhaps a little too theatrical in her delivery, though, is a very good one. Probs what's going on here. Anyway, point is, I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer sure I like Mel, but this is also, I admit, not the best serial in which to judge her, so I will wait until the next one. Foes, wow, so many to choose from. As the master is masterful, so too is the Valyard a bland, arid valley into which to dump all of his squandered potential. What a shame, what a waste. Tisk. Tisk, I say. Still, very entertaining guy. Assets. Well, you know what? The thing is, I really did like the reveal. And the the Valiant is still, he has potential, and that potential is interesting. It's also quite a feat to produce a whole season of cohesive narrative. So bravo, everyone involved, especially under the very tragic and odd circumstances surrounding the, the writing of it. So yeah, huge asset. Biggest flaw, it's still a pile of dog shit. <laughs> Main takeaway, Doc is dead, long live the dock and rating. And I'm so sorry about this, but the thing is, before we pressed <laughs> record for this section, we took a look at prior ratings and I gave Mind Warp 2.0 and I feel like Mind Warp was better than this. So I'm really sorry, but I've I've written down 1.8 and that is mostly for its legendary potential. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Very good points there, Mr. Leon. Oh, good I- rating. A very good score. Yes. I can't disagree with anything anything you've said, really. Well, right. okay, let me just move on succinctly <laughs> into what the hell Jim thought. Yeah. That's what we're calling this section. Basically, I thought it was such a letdown of such an interesting idea. <laughs> no, I can say some more words than that. Yes. This is something that plagues classic who quite frequently definitely for us anyway maybe maybe people get more out of it than we do but we have a lot of questions normally and i have more questions than normal with this serial like i don't know if the high council was behind everything i don't know if they created the valiard hmm. and if he did if they did is it like you said just because doc stumbled across their plan he stumbled across ravlox and um, we didn't talk about this but like how how is the master here how is the master in the matrix at this point in time knows what's going on like that's a bit convenient is is he involved is he meant to be involved somehow in the creation of the valley whatever just lucky timing not clear we've got time lords who are in a trial room time lords are, are very high up in society to the point that they're on the hit list of the valyard who are sat oh, yeah. in this trial room whilst their government is falling apart whilst their government is being accused of mass murder possibly genocide and all other things they're just happy to sit there it's not like oh wait i should go do whatever job i'm actually employed to do or maybe i should go speak to the people or anything like this no i'm just going to sit in the background of this trial room and see if anyone comes back from that seventh door of the matrix and then we can carry on with this trial thank you very much 
it's all I was paid to do this week in this this BBC production. Also, like, why did the Valid want to kill all these Time Lords? I mean, I get it. They are a bunch of assholes. That much is clear. But his motivation isn't clear. Does he want power? Does he want to somehow control Gallifrey? I don't recall that being established. It's just put there at the end of, ah, I'm gonna kill everyone. Wibble. Anyway, things. Ainley is good as the master in this. Enjoyed it. I don't think the character was used as best as it as he could have been. Like it generally was a exposition deliverer rather than a plot driver. Yeah. Like I was scanning through the the transcript. I was trying to work out if there was the motivation for the Valyard and how clear like the motivation and scheme of the master was. And I think it basically there's one line of the master saying, Oh, now that Gallifrey's falling apart, you're gonna have to trust me. Look, I'm here in the Matrix. The thing you you care in above above everything, you know. Doesn't matter that your high council's gone, you're gonna have to listen to me now. And it's like, no, no, they're not. And they don't. <laughs> yeah. That's just bullshit. And it's yeah. So it's a bit of a damp squib, like the master in this in this context. But Amy does a great job with the role that he has got. Mel, yeah, can't act at the start at all, is atrocious. I warmed to her later on. I think the acting calmed down. I still like the way she is as a character. She's written as very commanding, just wants to get in there just like immediately knows what to do or that something should be done and isn't isn't there sat whimpering the background or anything i like that aspect just not not quite sure of i agree with you here leon the slightly shouty and weird delivery and bad bad acting side of it yeah so question mark still there ultimately though sorry a little little side point here which i didn't put my notes but yeah sabalon glitz was so happy to see him again i do agree probably wasn't (laughs) wasn't to his fullest compared to last time but yeah it brought a smile to my face that he came back i enjoyed him being here so yeah that's a little plus point but there is a plus point for colin baker being the doctor but ultimately I just feel so bad for Colin Baker that this is his exit serial, that this is how he is treated in general, that, you know, he's not asked back after this. And, ah, yeah, a pin in this, you're right, Leon, we will have so much more to say when we do a retrospective. But that's that's my takeaway is like, there's it's under-delivered on so many aspects. The Valyard as a character, the sixth Doctor as Colin Baker portrayed him, I felt exactly the same as you did. And funnily enough, came up with the exact same number, 1.8. <gasps> no way. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, you're my friend who agrees with me. I'm your friend who agrees with you. Yeah. We're like 1.8 buddies. That's awesome. Fantastic mini. And you raised a couple of really good points that I hadn't thought about at all. For starters, I'd completely forgotten about Sabalon Glitz. Yeah, that is fair. You also reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you before. It's a little late in, in the episode, perhaps, to ask a question. But before we jump into Listener Miniland, we are very soon about to be treated to a a comeback of a classic Who foe, namely the Toymaker, in the next RTD Tenant special. How would you feel about the Valyard making a comeback? I would be very happy to have the Valyard back. Like I say, the concept of it, I was so intrigued by. So you can almost, New Who gets to hand wave things away a little bit of, it doesn't matter what happened in Classic Who, this is different. So bring back this concept. Great. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. It might also explain what he's been doing in the intervening years. Did he, go- <laughs> I'm envisioning the Valyard joining the cast of I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. And, <laughs> and then making it, yeah, making a comeback. I would also welcome the Valyard back. I feel like this is actually someone who, just like the Toy Maker, is 
could be so much more, and it's so tragic that he isn't. So let's let's give him a chance. Yeah, like you know what? If anyone out there in BBC Land is listening, yeah. what I would in this second, as my brain is thinking of it, like to see caveat: I don't want to be held to this in the slightest. <laughs> we'll see. But <laughs> like the Valyard is basically this crazed character that through years doesn't want the aspect of himself that is the doctor wants to eradicate that entirely has just been driven and like driven to hunt down and kill the doctor but driven insane as well by the aspect of the doctor inside himself so when we see him again he's just total off the walls unpredictable chaotic maybe even like way more evil than the master is just like killing people left right and center doesn't care about anything yeah like that could be cool maybe even have like introduce an element of self-loathing because he looks at the doctor who is yeah represent more represents more of a sort of totality of a of a persona and realizes doc just has a better life a more meaningful existence how dare he we are the same person why can't i have what other me has oh yeah there's so much that oh there's so much to this character that we don't get to see in this maybe he even has like an evil companion as well (laughs) oh i love it yes yes absolutely (laughs) he tries to get all the evil aspects of mel into a new cloned companion but he fails (laughs) and it's just like it's only the clumsy aspects of mel (laughs) like his companion is just like walking into walls and stubbing his toe all the time yeah it could be good Oh, wait, wait, no, no. He oh, yeah. finds more, more, an old more, more. companion and tortures them for years and years and years, and they come back evil. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, this, this is maybe not the family show that Doctor Who is meant to be anymore. This could be so sure. good. It could be that he travels back in time, rescues Adric moments before the ship plummets into the Earth in Earthshock, and then everyone in the universe thinks Adric is dead and like praises the memory of Adric while real Adric grows up for years and years and years being tortured by the Valiards. And now he has the same self-loathing because he looks at his legacy and it's not as happy as he is himself. Oh, sorry, oh the other way around. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I'm on board. I feel like we just made it happen. (laughs) Someone make this happen. Has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BBC, we'll discuss royalties later. Absolutely. Get in touch. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Right. Shall we see what Podcast Land has to say about this, Jim Cakes? I think we better. It'd be way more coherent than that was, that's for sure. (laughs) I would think so. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to 50, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron and a couple of bing-bongs. We've just navigated into the listener mini quadrant of this galaxy, where we have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. JK, we have six listener minis. Podcast Land's, we've Failed to say this at the start of this review. Apologies for the very short notice of reviewing The Ultimate Four. So I'm very sorry if you intended to send in a mini, but you couldn't. You didn't have time. Unfortunately, bloody COVID struck again, and we recorded this in lieu of, of a new who this evening. So, yeah, pens down. We've picked three listener minis to read in their full splendor, and three to snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. As usual, please head on over to whobackone.com and read all of them in their their full splendor. Right. Jim Cakes, who's first? Why, first up, we've got a chap we've not heard from in a long time, I believe. Yeah. It's yeah. Mr. Jethro Roos. Jethro 
Roos. Hello, Jethro. Jethro has just been to the States. He's been doing a lot of wrestling. Long time no see, buddy. Here we go. Jethro says, my dear old things. Apologies for being absent, but as you're receiving so many glorious reviews, I would be remiss to not let other voices be heard. My mind warp review shall remain in the drafts. Brian fucking blessed he had a shit up Everest. Is that true? <laughs> Is that true? It's got to be. <laughs> if anyone. If anyone. It yeah, would be exactly. Brian. Brian B. Right. The ultimate foe, then, says Jethro. Bollocks. <laughs> Glitz! The master in a kaleidoscope. Huzzah! Perry is alive! And getting slotted by Brian fucking Blasted. He had a shit up Everest! <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and Jethro gives this 2.1 farewell Colin Bakers out of 5. Peace and love! <laughs> nice. That is uh, concise and utterly poetic. Love it, Jethro. Absolutely love it. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. People who are not Jethro, please say hi to Jethro online. He can be found where, Jim Cakes? He can be found on Twitter at Jethro underscore Roos. That's right. Thanks, Jethro. Thanks, Jethro. Who's next? Why, it's none other than that lovely chap. D. Parkinson. <laughs> what up, Andy? <laughs> what up, A? No, that's fine. What up, Andy? <laughs> Andy starts. Apologies for missing the last few weeks, but I was trapped in the Matrix. Oh, no. That's fine. I'm glad you're out. So here it is. The trial reaches its climax. Hmm. Something of a rushed rewrite by Pip and Jane Baker after Eric's award suddenly quit. It reveals the Valiard is actually an amalgamation of the darker side of the Doctor, presaging the War Doctor, perhaps? Oh, yeah. The Master rides to the Doctor's rescue, albeit for his own benefit. And we are reunited with Glitz, Mel, and the Matrix. Andy has then been a total chaperone and a half and provided us with a list of likes. First like, Colin Baker nails it in this. His speech about the depravity of the Time Lords is brilliant. Anthony Ainley also shines. So often the master is crowbarred into stories in this era, but here he's having a ball. Here, here. And last like, the sinking sand scene is fabulous. Very cleverly done. Yeah, agreed. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. But Andy, of course, does have some boofs. Why does the Inquisitor, or the other Time Lords, not know who the Master is? Yeah. Hey, here's your friend who agrees with you. They sent a warning about him to the Third Doctor, and even sent him to help the Fifth Doctor in the Five Doctors. <laughs> my my er is interpreting exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is an interabang of agreement. Final boof. Michael Grade. He's the reason why Colin doesn't get another season. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Who the fuck is Michael Grade? (laughs) Can I write angry letters to him? (laughs) Please do. Absolutely. (laughs) All in all, says Andy, 
This is a fitting finale to the trial season, which, considering it was such a rush job, is quite an achievement. Yes, it's a little confusing. It was even berated by one Chris Chibnall on BBC's Open Air programme, and I'll try and include a link. But after a couple of rewatches, it does kind of make sense. Colin, Anthony Ainley, and Michael Jaston all do great jobs. And Andy has indeed included the link. I'll copy-paste it in. Nice. Rating-wise, then, Andy says, I award this 4.1 megabyte modems out of 5. Whoa, that is some serious high-tech and an astonishingly generous rating, Andy. Your heart is enormous. So, so big. That's just... Oh, what? Mind (laughs) great. Boggled. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, so chuffed that you are able to find such joy in this serial. Truly, truly, truly. Thank you very much for a fantastic mini. People who are not Andy can follow Andy online. So is the word on the street. Jim Cakes, where should they direct their attentions? Why, they should also go to Twitter and find Andy at Catherine's. 71. That's 71. Caffrey's. <laughs> Thank you also very much, 71 Andy. Them, yeah, also. You know, seven and then one. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Thank Who's you, Andy. Who's next? It's Stephen, Stephen from, from Canada. Canada. That was totally in sync in my ear. I have no idea if it's going to be in sync. It wasn't, when... dude. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Damn it. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. <laughs> Hello there, Stephen. Stephen starts. It's the final story in the Trial of a Time Lord arc. The web of conspiracy is unraveled, and the Valyard's plans laid bare. Is it a fitting end of a season-long tale? Well... The disjointed nature of its production is abundantly clear, with a lot of backtracking and setups that are ignored. But it's not all bad. It was good to see the master again. His dark TARDIS was equally fitting. Oh, I did oh, like yes. that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. His scheming and meddling contrasts with the Valyard's devilish plans perfectly. The Doctor and Mel work great together and certainly have a much better relationship than Perry and the Doc ever had. It is a shame that we never got more of them on TV. Really, this season had a lot of missed opportunities. The show had just returned after a lengthy hiatus and had to gain the confidence of its audience and the BBC higher-ups, and loosely tying some stories with a trial metaphor just seems lazy. It's just more of the same and few of the faults have been fixed. The untimely death of Robert Holmes also didn't help, as clearly this was building up to something in the following season. Overall then, says Stephen, this story earns 3.6 anti-Ainley screensavers out of 5. <laughs> nice. Fantastic rating system. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen. People who are not Stephen. Oh, my sympathies. Fret not, you can follow Stephen online. He can be reached in the Twitter sphere at what, Jim Cakes? Yes. Andre Etchen. That's right. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Also, sorry, adding to the interior of the Master's TARDIS, which did look spectacular, I really liked the exterior of it as well. We get to see it as a cottage, like a beach hut kind of situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I want to say a statue of 
Queen Elizabeth the First. Is that what it was? I is it not? Wasn't quite sure what this weird thing was. Like it was half column, half statue. Yeah, I think half they're like ornament, in the pedestal. Know. On top of which is a statue of Queen Lizzie One. Oh, very interesting. odd. Yeah, love it. Thanks, Stephen. Right, henceforth, three more. Snip, snippity, snip, snip, snips. Who's next? Wait, it's Mr. Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Hello. Kieran says, the ending mostly works. Maybe not the carrot juice line. And the climb down on Perry feels like it wastes the previous stories. Nicola Bryant has said she preferred the killing off in Mind Warp. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, this is just a snip thing. So all we've got now is a rating from Kieran, which is 3.2 out of 5. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Kieran. Yeah, solid rating. Also, solid mini, bits of which I wouldn't be surprised if we revisit in our Colin Baker retrospective. Thank you very much for that. People who are not Kieran, say hi to Kieran online. He can be found at KJ Evans 2 for all your Evan needs. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Why, it's Richie von Saxington. Oh, yeah. Hello, Richie. Hello, Richie. Richie says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then adds, overall, a good end to a mostly good season arc, not unlike Baker's run, I would say, unfairly maligned. And Richie Von Sexington has, in his very Sexington way, given this an incredible 4.2 out of 5 illusions within illusions. Were we watching as a lad, Mr. Nolan? (laughs) (laughs) Holy smokes, your heart is also enormtastic. How do these people function, like, getting around? Like, do they have to be so delicate every time this chest is tapped that it might cause reverberations that would explode their heart? I don't know if having that generous a heart means you move as slowly as an ant or as quickly as a hummingbird. I have no idea, but it's one <laughs> of those two extremes. Um, people yes, who are yes. not Richie, please do yourselves a sexy favor and head on over to Twitter where you can find Richie at a what, Jim Cakes? Richie Sexington. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Richie. Thank you, Richie. Who's next? Why, it's Mr. Ed Corbett. It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. (laughs) Snip, snip, snip. And then Ed gives us a bit of a sand end of an era. As final lines go, carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice is not exactly. It's the end, but the moment has been prepared for. Here, here. It's not giving us a rating for this particular serial, but has said Trial of a Time Lord as a whole gets 2.4 out of 5. Interesting. I'm a little curious. Did you calculate what we what our average is? For this one? No. No Scooby at the moment. Uh, no, no. Podcast land. You do the maths. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ed. Ooh, are Thank you doing you, the maths? Ed. I was just trying to quickly do it in my head. I think we might be slightly higher than Ed, but not oh, a million miles really? away. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. That was it. That was all the listener minis. Woo! Yes. Thank you so much, everyone. Indeed. 
Thank you very, very much. I've had a spiffing evening. Thank you very much to you, Jim Cakes. No, thank you, Leon So Cakes. this spells the end of our trial of a time, Lord, and full reviewing jamboree. It does not <laughs> spell the end of Doctor Who because, yay, praise be, there is plenty more Doctor Who to come. What have we got coming up next, Dude Meister? Well, in New Who land, there will be Praxius. That's right. Watch this space regarding timings, depending on how COVID behaves. It may or may not be this side of the new year, Podcast Land. We'll keep you posted. After that, we're going to be back in Classic Who territory with, oh my goodness, the very first seventh Doctor review. Jim, holy smokes, what's that called? It's only called Time and the Rani. Nice. Oh, a return of the Rani as well. Very much looking forward to that. Return of the Rani. (laughs) Before we head into seventh Doctor territory, though, we will absolutely have a bonus episode of a retrospective of the sixth Doctor, as we are wont to do. However, given that it is the 8th of December at the time of recording this review, most likely the next bonus is going to be our New Year's bloops. Yeah. What about Audio Who, dude? Well, I understand that the next thing is still going to be redacted. Uh, uh, sorry, Dang. that's not that we're not going to say it. That's the name of the thing. The thing Did is called just redacted. that out of the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> I might pop that in my ears, so actually, and listen to that over the, the holidays. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, might yeah. do the same. I did mean to listen to that and just totally forgot. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me as well, to be honest. Podcast Land, you have been an absolutely extraordinarily lovely audience, and we absolutely want to hear from you as well. In the meantime, you can reach out to Jim Cakes. How, Jim Cakes? You can find me on Mastodon. A little bit more complicated, but it's there. And I can be found at Jimmy at the whatnow.eu. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I'm going to have to update the links on the website. I'm so sorry. I haven't done that yet. And you can say hi it's to fine. me as well. There's a redirect from my Twitter profile. I actually oh, is didn't there? kill it in the end, just just because I don't want people impersonating me. But yeah, you can find me via Twitter, Jimmy the Who, if you really must. You can say hi to me as well. I can, for the time being, still be found on Twitter. If you want to high five me, I will high five you right back. I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Peeps, you've been lovely. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until the next time, rock on, be rad and excellent to one another. Cha-chao. Thanks for listening. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?